We shall fight in France. We shall fight on the seas and oceans. We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. Yesterday, December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. Freedom and justice, I have a dream. One day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. Like Russia, please, if you can, get us Hillary Clinton's emails. Please, Russia, please. We're building a beautiful wall, a big one that really works, that you can't get over. You can't get under? The wall just got 10 feet higher! It comes from China. That's why. It comes from China. Welcome to Outside the Circle. This is Mad Mac and Professor Satan. Special guest Isaac. Ice Stick. Ice Stick. Yeah, that's fine. I don't really have a nickname. I've never been a nickname guy. Never been a nickname guy. Ice Stick. That's like the only nickname I go by is Ice Stick. <laughs> Thanks to Not a Shaman. Not a Shaman. Well, so before the episode, we were kind of just talking about. Kangaskhan, someone who I've been wanting to talk a lot about on this podcast, but needed someone who knew even more than me. And we brought the man, the myth, the legend, Ice Stick. <laughs> yeah, well, and I don't even know that much about Kangaskhan. Well, there's too, there's too much to say. Obviously, there could be, shout out to Dan Carlin's Hardcore History, like that... That's 10 hours just go through it all. We're obviously not doing 10 hours worth of <laughs> Kangaskhan. No, and yeah, speaking of hardcore history, if you are a fan of history and you're listening to this podcast, go check him out. Um, you can listen to his podcast. His newer episodes are free. You have to pay to listen to the old ones. I just repurchased the series on World War One. It was $12, but it's a six-part series, and every episode's like three hours. So that's 18 hours of content right there for $12. So I yeah, he, Dan Car- and Dan Carlin does some awesome work. Yeah. He doesn't claim to be a historian. He did go to university of Colorado. He's a history major. Um, before he was doing hardcore history, he was, I think a political radio commentator, um, worked in radio. That's why he's really good at the podcast is he's just, you know, he has a good speaking voice. He knows when to fluctuate and he's, never monotone he's yeah he's always on it but so let's dive into some Kangas Khan because I've been wanting to talk about him for a bit so where do we begin the first thing I know of Kangas Khan like he's born in you know what year roughly like 12 12 like I think like 12 like 12 12 to like 12 20 I think they don't know his exact year of birth yeah it's odd because you can go back 
farther in history, you know, like a Julius Caesar, Alexander the Great, and others, like other, you know, world leaders. Um, Easily find out when they were born. You know m- more about them, you know what they look like. There might be portraits of them. We don't know how tall Genghis Khan was. We don't know how, what his hair color was. We don't know what his eye color was. We don't know the year he's born. Um, it just said that he was born holding a blood clot the size of a knuckle bone. Yeah. Like that's the legend behind it is he was just. That's what I remember hearing is that <laughs> born with a blood clot. Did you look it up? Yeah. So it says that he's right. It's uncertain. They have no idea, but they estimate that he was between 1155 or 1160. So somewhere around there. Okay. So I got the dates wrong. Somewhere around 1155, 1160, but no okay. one's sure. Yeah. But they the, have the exact day he died, but not well, and even, when he was born. From what I remember in the podcast, even that, I think that's up, Questionable. For, dis- up for dispute. Um, I, that might be correct. I can't remember, but we don't even know where he's buried. It said that when he was died, we don't know the cause of death. Some people say it was, AIDS. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. Need, he was fucking like a madman. Well, he, what one in five hundred Asian males are, you know, father to son descendants of Genghis Khan. Like <laughs> one in five hundred Asian males. And yeah. that's, they only test Asian males for it on average. Like, there's probably people in Europe, Africa, you know, Middle the East. Americas, the Middle East that are descendants of Genghis Khan. But it's going to be a lot smaller numbers, but who knows. Um, it's said that he had red hair. Like, people think he had red hair because it's said he had, you know, fire hair. And like eyes of a cat. So some people take that as he had red hair and green eyes, which is not some people they hear that like, oh, you know, Eastern Asia, like China, like no one has red hair. But I don't know if you guys have ever seen that photo from Nat Geo of that Afghani girl that looks oh, she's got Middle Eastern features, Afghani, but she has those bright blue eyes. It's one of my favorite photographs National Geographic ever took. Yeah, but apparently the blue eyes come from the Mesopotamian people. Yeah, well, and it's... But that whole region of the steppe, there's been so much slave trading and rape and everything going on that there was a lot of mixing of features. So mm. it is possible. It was, yeah. We do believe that he was... It's always said he was a big man, which makes sense, you know, back in the day. Yeah, yeah bigger... You, if you were big, you probably do better in war. Well, it's in battle because... They lived in colder climates, and the red hair thing's weird, too, because that's primarily from, what, Vikings, right? They were yeah, the first ones to be known to have red hair. That's what we, yeah, that's at least the, you know, Norwegians. Unless we, some Vikings came over, made it with some Asians, and then those Asians became Mongolians and were able to live out that nasty climate over there. Yeah, who knows? I mean, the Vikings were the first ones to make it to North America. You know, we always think of Christopher Columbus, but it's... What, Leif Erikson was the first one to actually mm-hmm. step foot on North America? Yeah. Um. Yeah, so basically after after he's born, he's given a blood clot, or he has a blood clot in his hand. That's this, the legend yeah, to give him, like, his even his mom thought that was weird, right? Yeah, just, everyone. Like, yeah, they were like, is this either he's a savior or he might be a fucking devil? We're not sure yet. <laughs> yeah, and... um. He was born into, you know, his tribe wasn't known as the Mongols at the time. It, 
took on that name. Um, but he was born into royalty. His father was killed or something. Well, yeah, his father was trying to unify all the tribes, right? That that was kind of the goal. All so China was fucking with them for many years. The the only time the nomadic horse archers of the steppe, and to give context to the steppe, it's you know all of your like it spans all of Eurasia, pretty much, and it's as wide as two Atlantic oceans put together. Um. So that's thousands of miles. Yeah, that's th- thousands upon thousands of miles, and it's not really hospitable for anything. You can't really grow food there because it. I just it doesn't have the soil that like the American Midwest has. You know, Kansas. You know, you just think of all this flat land in Kansas that's you know just great for agriculture, but it has all this great soil. The stuff isn't really good for agriculture. It's not good for anything except for raising horses. So the people of China and the Middle East, as soon as they become countries, states, these civilized places, their whole goal is to not let the people of the steppe unify to one kind of federation. That's when, you know, when Attila the Hun does that and conquers into Europe. That's because he unifies the people of the steppe. Um, Their Jurchen conquered North China, former Chinese dynasty. There's a people after them, I think. I can't, I'm not going to remember all the names, but a lot of these <clears throat> tribes unify, conquer into China, take over, and then they gentrify and become Chinese. They lose their edge as horse step archers. Yeah, they start getting they start getting money and lose their eye of the tiger. Yeah. <laughs> they so. just start, eh, well, we've done a lot, so let's just stop now. But so after that he doesn't who does he end up as he starts growing up, he's got a brother, right? He has two brothers. Um Genghis is the middle child. And, and his original a, name is Temujin. I, Temujin. Yeah. He's known as Temujin. Um Temujin later Genghis Khan and his younger brother, who I can't remember his name, eventually kill their oldest brother for just kind of being a dick. Like he's like stealing <laughs> food from him or whatever, just kind of lording over him. So they sneak up on him and just shoot him. And it's said before they shoot him, he says, please spare my brother. Um, so he dies. Um, and at the time of Genghis's life, there's three believed to be three Chinese states, the North, the South, and the West. can't remember the names for them, but it's, there's not one unified China. There's just three major states that are all Chinese. The North is like the Beijing area. I don't know Chinese geography that well, so just imagine up by Beijing. Yeah, just three different states of China. Yeah, I know what you're saying, but... And Genghis conquers western china by going through the gobi yeah which was like unheard of at that t- like no one makes it through that i mean yeah that'd be like suicide yeah i'm just trying to march through the desert to like with an army in force ready to fight as soon as you get break through onto the other side and he is able to conquer western china or not he doesn't really conquer it completely but he turns it into they become subservient to him. It's his vassal state. 
Yeah, because a lot of the things that Kangaskhan did to get people subservient, which really got me interested, was the whole, like, how he'd be basically just either you guys uh, surrender or we don't just kill you, we exterminate you. Like oh, yeah, They would kill every man, woman, and child. Yeah. And that's why it's, I mean, the numbers vary, but it's he killed anywhere between 20 to 80 million people. And that's with bows, arrows, swords, and axes. Like you're, you don't have machine guns. You don't have. They have later. The Mongols have siege weapons. They, you know, because they conquered China, they take their siege engineers. But that's you know catapults, trebuchets, you know, just large stone throwing devices. It's not, you know, mortars and all these things that you know we later develop. Yeah, and I I remember some stories how it was like he would take like the boys and measure them up to the wagon wheel. And anyone who was shorter, anyone taller than the wagon wheel had gone. Yeah. It's like stuff like that. Or they'd take the little girls and rape people. Uh, what was it from the as young as like nine or seven? Like nine, six, maybe I can't, I ain't it. I ain't gang. Like there's begin. There's been a revisionist history on Genghis Khan that like, he brought a lot of good to the world. Yeah. Um, I think part of that is because of the Mongols so thoroughly conquering and dominating China. Eventually, the Mongols do conquer all of China and unify into one state. Um, people probably heard the name of Kublai Khan. That's Genghis's grandson. He conquers all of China, unifies it back into one big Chinese state and his reign becomes so so legitimate that he's one of the recognized legitimate Chinese dynasties um I mean, they decimate the Middle East they destroy the canals they fill them in destroy the aqueducts I mean there are historians that believe that the Middle East parts of Afghanistan Iraq never like I, they people are saying there are historians that are saying that Iraq is just now starting to like recover from the destruction that the Mongolian Empire brought onto them. Baghdad, which would have been the biggest city in the world outside of China, the biggest cities. China was the most advanced civilization at the time, so it would have been China, the Middle East, and then Europe would have been third, a yeah. distance third. If you're just talking about regions. And their advancements in civil law. Um, and that's it, something that I think a lot of people, including myself, didn't realize for the longest time is that Europe was not the dominating force during those times. Like it was Europe, uh, the Middle East, and China yeah. were above them. It wasn't until Kangas Khan helped put them back a little bit that Europe yeah. kind of then gained the upper hand yeah and that was just you know a side effect it's you know when the mongolians do end up conquering baghdad it said that the tigris ran red with blood and black with ink and there's just so much death they just destroyed the libraries everything and they just would lay waste to everything they set everything they saw um one thing that said about the roman empire i'm gonna bring this up is they would create a wasteland and call it peace. You know, they would just destroy everything, kill everybody, so the trade routes could run. Like, oh, we brought peace. 
but at what cost? You know, they kill and destroy everything. That's kind of what Genghis Khan did, you know. It was said that, you know, during the height of Mon the Mongolian Empire, that a girl could walk the Silk Road, you know, from Europe to Asia with a pot of gold on her head and have no fear of being touched or molested. And the Silk Road's one of the most bandited, you know, trade routes in the history. It's yeah. so long, you can't keep guards, guard posts everywhere. But his Yasa, which is their code of law, was so severe. One of their soldiers was caught with an extra bootstring in their boot or a bowstring in their boot, and they were just killed. Yeah. So it's it was a one strike policy. There was no, there wasn't. You go to court and oh, you're unprobate. You, know, you mess up, dead. Well, yeah. that kind of discipline is what made them as great as they were, right? Yeah, I mean, exactly. <clears throat> kind of like was it? That was a lot of their uh, when they fought. He had that same kind of mentality of it's not just a couple of the group goes and fights and the other people stay back. It's like either everybody goes or the people who don't go just end up getting killed, right? That's how yeah, it, was like, it was. We just execute. They you. did a decimal system, so it was you know ten men in a unit, ten units make up another you know another unit, so on and so forth. And if one of the ten was captured in your unit, if you did not save them or at least do everything you could to save them you're all killed you're all dead and anyways if two men charge into battle trying to you know they see a something they can exploit and the other eight don't follow you're killed if five men retreat and the other five don't retreat you're killed so they just no if someone did something it's either everyone had to follow suit or you're just dead Again, yeah. it was ruthless. And obviously, that's like a good strategy if you're trying to dominate because that's the problem is once you get into war, you can have all this training. But once you get into battle, if your unit's not unified, everybody, it's just going to fall apart. Yep. High morale yep. through discipline. Hardcore discipline. It's yeah. like it's kind of like the Dothraki from uh, Game of Thrones, huh? But Yeah, it's pro they probably got a lot of their inspiration. For yeah, that's what I was telling you. Yeah. Uh, Mad Mac over there the other day was yeah we they resemble the Dothraki a lot. <laughs> I mean, but the Mongolians, I mean, they were definitely unique in just how successful they were in everything they did. But they weren't like it's you just basically took Attila the Hun's army, you know, gave it a couple hundred years of maybe maybe the bows got a little bit better, this and that. But it's basically the same. The only thing that sets the Mongols apart is Genghis is one of the greatest generals of all time. And the thing that really did set him apart that I really do enjoy about him is when it came to promoting within his army, he didn't care about your bloodlines or who you knew. He was actually was really ahead of his time. It was all merit based. So one of his top generals, um, I can't think of his name. It's his, he goes by the arrow um was actually one of the opposing generals when he first starts out conquering these other horse archers step horse arch archers um and he shoots out Genghis Khan's horse he's brought out brought before him and he's like yeah I shot out your horse like that was me and they can't believe they had actually admitted so they're like well you're a great warrior, so he becomes one of his top generals. And what sets the Mongolian, what really sets the Mongolians apart, is they have maybe 
three to four of the top ten generals of all time serving for them. Yeah, he had some really unique laws too. Like he actually allowed anyone to believe in whatever religion they wanted. He didn't care like they, in freedom of religion, right? Yeah, he um the Mongolians wanted to take out as much celestial insurance as possible is the way Dan Carlin words it is they don't know who's right so they would tell people pray to your god but they would also be like you should pray to every god because who knows <laughs> just like, be, just and guess. the only thing they required is just pray for good health to the mongol khan and that the empire succeed but other than that you can they didn't really care it the whole religious thing does and after Genghis dies he um, splits up the step into different states, you could almost call it, like the house of Ogadai, the house of Jochi, and all these other, all of his other sons control these step territories. Not the whole territory they own, not all of China, not the Middle East, not parts of Europe they conquer, just the step. And the only the head Khan, only the great Khan could control the imperial territories. The problem is, is I mean, there was Christianity. There's a sect of Christianity called Nestorian Christians. In that area, there was Muslims. And his sons and family, some of them became Christians, some of them became Muslims. So then when some of the family went to go conquer Baghdad after Genghis has died, that upsets the Muslim part of the family. So there's it creates mm. the divide. Yeah. And definitely after his death, by him handpicking his son, it wasn't even his eldest son, right? No, that it's... Was... So his eldest son, um, his wife had been captured, and when she came back nine months later, she's pregnant. Yeah. No one wants to be like, hey, Jengis, that's not your kid. You know, you're not going to tell the most powerful man to ever live, mm -hmm. arguably, that uh, we don't know if that's actually going to be your firstborn son like that might be someone else's so everyone kind of keeps mom um he eventually has his son killed we believe i think that's what happens he kills his son or his son dies but no ogadai is who he selects to be the next great con yeah um i guess taking it back just a hair how far does because Kengis goes all over China. He goes all over the Middle East. And the when it's Kengis Khan, how far he gets into... Is it Hungary? Or is it Russia that he gets into modern they're, day? I mean, they're always basically in modern day Russia. Okay. If you can... Because I mean, Russia's huge. Yeah. So they're always in modern day Russia. But I mean, the parts of modern day Russia they're in are, you know, Siberia. It's the... Middle of fucking nowhere. Yeah, it's the part that no one cares about of Russia. Um... You know, if, when you think of Russia, you think of Western Russia. Yeah, Moscow, you Stalingrad. Know, the parts that are closer to yeah Europe, European Russia, because Russia is one Fucking. of the few countries that takes up two, has parts of two continents in it. Um, they do get into East or Western Russia, um, and to Central Europe. Um, Genghis sends one of his generals for a reconnaissance mission with just 20,000 troops. And they just, um, is it Hungary? 
maybe, or Georgia. No, Georgia. Georgia's trying to get up the biggest military it can, not for Genghis Khan, but the Crusades are going on at this time in the Middle East. So Georgia had promised the Pope to raise an army to help with the Crusades, and it's believed that maybe close to 100,000 men. And that 20,000 Mongol reconnaissance force crushes it. Yeah, it just crushes it. Yeah, it's, you know, at this time you're talking, in Europe, you're talking about, you know, the knights, you know, the Crusades. And knights are great soldiers, but there's, you know, a couple thousand in all of Europe. You know, knights aren't great for fighting in large armies. You know, knights are one-on-one, but they're not going to march in line. You don't have enough. You can't have enough knights. You know, to actually be a knight, you got, you know, it takes thousands upon thousands. It'd probably be to have a the amount of money they would spend on their armor and training would be like a million dollars in today's. Yeah, and not only that... Uh, armor isn't that good against someone who's so much faster on a horse like the mongols were that was the other thing of like just how they were trained to what was it shoot an arrow in between every one of the horses gallops like yeah, as while, they while or while all four hooves are off the ground that's when they release and do you remember yeah. how hard the pull was on the bow that he said was it 160 yeah 160 pound pull can you imagine these little... F- and they, they would shoot 12 arrows a minute. So 12 times in one minute, you're just pulling back 160, 160 pounds. <laughs> and it's not like, you know, modern compound bows. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever shot one. Yeah. They have, you know, they can have heavy pulls, you know, 80 pound pulls. But once you get that pull back... Yeah, it releases that, with the pulley or whatever system. Yeah, that's, that's when the cams take over. So once you've got it back, like, I could hand it to a child... As long as they like know not what to like what to do, they could hold it because there's no pressure on that string. They're using recurve bows. So yeah. Until you release that string, you're holding 160 pounds. So you're not going to pull back. You don't have time to pull back and aim because I mean, you're just going to be 160 pounds. And so these people are ripped, and they have to be to be able to pull 160 pounds 12 times a minute. Oh yeah, for sure. And another thing that I wanted to bring up about Kangas Khan that I thought was really funny is when he, cause he had this idea that he was, was it like, he was almost like a God, right? That's kind I mean, of that's, his thought. He that's was kind a, of what everyone thinks. I not, when I say everyone, I'm like every historical figure, you know, that starts to yeah. conquer the world believes, you know, they're either ordained by God where they are a god. Um, Genghis Khan is believed to have called himself the flail of God. I thought it was funny how he, he, it's the, when the Pope finds out that he's kind of into Christianity as one of his favorite religions that he's seen, he, uh, the Pope sends him a letter, right? Basically it's saying, after Genghis is dead, but yes, the Pope does send a letter. Um, during Genghis's life, you know, the, European Christians are fighting in the Middle East, crusading. Um, Genghis is invading from the West. And there's rumors that spark, you know, the game of telephone. You say one thing and it just, after you, so many people hear it from a different person, it becomes something else. Um, it gets over to Europe that there's this um, Praetor John in the West trying to con- 
conquer Islam. But unfortunately right. for the Christians, there is no Praetor John. There's only a Genghis Khan. Yeah, they fucked up. And then he sends him a letter saying, when he finds out that he's going to start invading Europe, doesn't he send him a letter saying like, oh yeah, uh, God wouldn't want you to come kill us or whatever. And he's like, well, if God wants me to, then, like, or God, God wouldn't allow me to kill you or something like that. What does he say it's, exactly? They had already, that's after they had, you know, conquered or not, they didn't really ever co completely conquered the central Europe. I think they held parts of it, but they never really got a, that big of a foothold into Europe besides Russia. Um, but yeah, the Pope sends a letter, and like 90% of that letter is like explaining the Holy Trinity, the birth of Christ. Um, I listened to Dan Carlin bring, like, reads part of it on the podcast. I know the story of Christ. I imagine most people do, you know, the story yeah. of the Trinity. I have a hard time following that letter because it's so poorly written. And who knows if it's because it's poorly written or it had to be translated multiple times. And par some of the people that translated that letter were believed to be Muslims. So they probably were, like, fuck being this. screwing around <laughs> with the translation. Like, yeah, fuck them. Um, but it gets to the Mongolian court. And, um, yeah, he, they had already brought death and destruction to Europe. And they're like, if it's, you know, what can man, the, the Mongolians respond, what can man do? You know, if God did not want this, then why did this happen? You know, we are, we are just servants of God. What, what can man do to man? Yeah. Like basically if God didn't want it, then why is he letting it happen? <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. I was like, wow, that's a big group. Like, yeah, fuck you. Yeah. Kill us then. <laughs> if if God wants us you to kill us, then kill us then, because God's gonna be on your side, right? Yeah. But if we're gonna kill you, that means God must be on our side. So I thought that was really funny that Kangas Khan was basically like, eh, and, I'm okay. <laughs> and that's basically how everyone thinks up until you know the twentieth century is everything's about if it's God's will it'll happen. I think that really starts to disappear with World War One. I think that's when people are like, you know, God's not in the picture anymore. God has abandoned us. <laughs> now it's just become, yeah. So what you're saying is up until World War One, like pretty much people still had the mentality of, oh, God's on our side. That's how we're going to win is because we're the good guys. God's on our side. By World War One, it's like. Yeah, really well it matters is how much can you produce and how many, you know, one, mortars can you shoot and how many bullets can you fire. When before World War One, there like World War One's the first what we would start to call modern war. Um Oh, can I add interject one thing? The or one thing that I didn't think about until recently. The great it's called the Great War. Mm -hmm. just because if you would have went back then and be like, oh, this is World War One." There's a comedian who said this. He's like, it's World War One." Wait, what do you mean World War One? <laughs> no, what is that supposed to mean? One, this is the Great War, the war to end all wars. And, and that's what people definitely thought. Um, World War One. I, I just started re-listening to the podcast about World War One, and it's honestly one of the saddest things you'll ever listen to no like the more you, you research into it it's just sad it's you have germany who's only about 40 years old at this time as a country 
which I didn't really realize until the first time I listened to the podcast. I didn't know much about German history. I just thought, oh, Germany's been around for forever. No, like the actual state of Germany, you know, it used to be the Holy Roman Empire, Prussia, like had all these different names for the regions. But the actual state of Germany that we know now wasn't formed until like the 1870s. Oh, wow. Or something like that. Um, in the Franco-Prussian War. And then they conquer into France. And then on one day in like 1871, they sign a piece of paper. And then the next day, Germany's, you know, state. It's a country. Um, so Germany's a relatively young, up-and-coming country. You have France, England, Russia, Austro-Hungary, Turkey... And what really makes World War One sad to me is it's, you know, World War Two. there's a purpose behind it that everyone can see. It's You've got Adolf Hitler on one side, who's one of the most evil people to ever live, arguably. So it's, hey, we need to come together, stop Hitler. World War One. there's, people tried to say that about the Kaiser um, of Germany, because at the time Germany started a, Kaiser, which is another word of saying czar, or not czar, Caesar. It's another word of saying Caesar. Czar is also the same thing. It's another word for Caesar. Caesar. Um, but Germany was just felt like it was this small, like this country that was being trapped. You had France with all of its colonial powers, England with all of its colonial powers, Russia had some colonial powers, and Germany was worried it was just going to get squeezed out and just reconquered, you know, because no one really liked Germany. So World War One's really just a colonial war. Like, they're fighting over colonies. You know, they're yeah, fighting... They're territory. Fi they're and... fighting over territories that, of people that want to just rule themselves anyway. Um, so it's just... And just the... I, we were talking about a little bit before the podcast... It just the first 18 months of the war, there's over 3 million casualties. I mean, and it's because these generals would just be like, it's either you march towards them or we're going to shoot you in the back of the head. Probably like Genghis Khan a little bit, but that's yeah. that's been an effective way to win wars, hence Genghis Khan, is I, you charge or we fucking kill you so you don't have much of an option. No one really won World War One, though. If you look back, you know, we call November 11th Veterans Day in this country now. The rest of the world recognizes it as what we originally called it, Armistice Day. November 11th, 1918 was when Armistice was agreed upon to end World War One on the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month. Armistice Day. There wasn't... Germany con conquers into part of France... And just bites onto it and never lets go. All the fighting in World War One on the Western Front, which is by far the most deadly, brutal front, was all in France. And it's these generals just wanting to take, like these French and English generals just wanting to take back this land or just every day just throwing men's lives away. Yeah, I what I always found crazy about World War 1 is how like so much just so many mortars, which is crazy. I didn't realize there'd be millions of mortars that would be fired like just in a couple of days sometimes, oh, right? Like 
I was just so I was listening to podcasts on the way here, and they're talking. He's it just got to the part of the battle of Verdun, which all of these World War One battles you can't call battles; they're sieges. You know, the a battle you know lasts as what we think about, like the Battle of Gettysburg or whatever, lasts for like maybe a weekend. But most battles in history last for hours. These battles lasted for months. And they would just fight over the same ground. You know, they might gain 100 yards and then the enemy pushes them back and retakes it. So they're just fighting over the same, these same hills and these same defensive Yeah, and that's posts. why it would turn into basically just a wasteland of nothing but just mortar holes. And it would rain and there would just be muddy. I mean, I didn't realize the horrific... like. We paint, you know, you think of World War Two. it's very, like, more noble. Oh, conquer. And then you look at World War One, and everybody just kind of goes, oh, it was boring, whatever. But, like, you really, it really paints the picture in that podcast of, like, how just horrible the conditions were. Just rats, and you're in trenches, and you're getting, uh, like, gang, what is it on your feet? Like, gangrene and shit like that, because you're always being in water People and gas. dysentery. Um, yeah, I mean, the inspiration for like Mordor and everything in Lord of the Rings comes from World War One. George R. R. Tolkien was in, was alive, and he was, you know, in World War One. You know, he saw the death and destruction, and that's where he got the inspiration for Mordor and Mount Doom and these things. It's just, and you're living in these they're people are living in these trenches for you know months on years and it's just dead you know the ground is spongy with the dead bodies underneath that you've buried and it's uh, it's just terrible but yeah you couldn't even someone falls into a mortar hole it's muddy you might just have to leave them there there's no way to get uh, out yeah I and mean, it might be 30 feet deep and it's just a straight vertical wall and you can't unless you've got a rope and you know, multiple men there to ready to pull, but you can't do that because you're under machine gun fire, mortar fire yourself. So you've got to get out of there. You just told the uh, guy, sorry. Gas. There was a lot of gas used, which that's really the only war where at least major powers use gas on each other. Is a sadistic war. People just look at. I always looked at World War One. You know, like a lot of people, it's kind of just, oh, yeah, it's boring. Nothing cool well, about it. We don't it. really talk about it in U.S. history. You know, if you live in the States, we don't learn much about World War One because the America doesn't get into the war until 1917. Like, and the war is over in 1918. I know it's late 1918 when it ends, but, you know... Everything had already been set up. Everyone already kind of knew what was going on by 1917. You know, they just kind of realized, like, this is a meat grinder. And if you just, you can keep throwing men into it, but it's, they're just going to die. You know, Germany's whole plan to win World War One was just to set, like, just bleed France white. Like, they just were like, we're just going to kill so many Frenchmen that France is like. Just so we finally give up. There's yeah. no more men. And then if. If France quits the war, then England would have to quit the war because England doesn't have the army to hold the continent. Yeah. What What about and why has Germany always been like try to be so advanced? Like even in World War One, that what was that called? That humongous fucking cannon they had. I can't think of the but name. It, it of could it, but... shoot. It. They, they tried to attempt to 
wasn't it to attack Great Britain? What you want? Yeah. Another one? I'm good for now. Thank you. Um, yeah, Germany was the first. So they were the first country to use what we what would traditionally be known as naval guns. You know, and when I say naval guns, it's because these guns were so big that the only reliable way to transport them and use them was just to put them on warships. You're talking about 16 inch guns that weigh you know, 300,000 pounds. Even today, for our military, that'd be difficult to move around, you know. And back then, they would have to move it in pieces, then pour concrete, let the concrete dry and cure, reassemble the gun, and then to fire the gun, they'd, they would have to fire it remotely 300 yards away, and the cannon crew would have to put wa cotton wadding over their eyes, ears and nose and keep their mouths open and if they didn't do that they would blow out their eardrums or maybe worse <clears throat> so so what what gun are you talking about uh it's in world war one just a, a humongous fucking cannon they used to shoot it could shoot it's up not like the 40... paris gun right yeah because they yeah. shot it at paris they could shoot like it's 45 miles gun? away yeah yeah because i got another one here it's called the uh show were Gustav, which is called uh, Big Bertha. Is that, is that I mean, what you're talking about? They had multiple of the, those yeah. giant cannons. Because they, they had multiple Paris guns. I'm but I know which one you're talking about. It was like super huge, biggest. Yeah. Was that World War One or two? No, but, one. <laughs> there was this, it was something where, yeah, it could shoot up. Uh, it, the mortar was like the size of a fucking car. Like Big Bertha was a German 80 centimeter rail gun. I don't know if that's... I think that's... Let me see the picture. The, uh, uh, yeah. What is, does it show a picture of it? Is that a t on a tank? Mm. Oh, shit, I can't see. I don't think it's no, on a tank. No, it's, it's like on a, a platform thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Then that, that's probably it. What yeah. is it called? Big Bertha? That, yeah. <laughs> it's I mean, something it's got, like that. But where, it says World War II, though. Oh. I don't know this one. They might have used guns like that in World War Two, but they they first started using it in World War One. This I'm thing probably could, talking about the Paris gun then. Yeah, this thing had, could shoot what? A, it was. I think it was I, the size of a bug, like a Volkswagen bug, like the projectile. Yeah, and they literally could shoot it up to like forty-five miles away, and they would use it's math to fucking get the trajectory. Oh yeah, that looks like something that would yeah, be. Yeah, it. it it's on just it's like the, some tr railroad the tracks gun of World yeah. War One. Mm -hmm. Yep, that's it then. Paris gun. Yeah, yeah. World <laughs> Paris gun of World War One. They could they would shoot it. It would the bullet would go so far they'd have to literally measure uh, the curvature of the Earth and the spinning of the Earth for where it would land. But they just stopped using it because it was too uh, too inaccurate. And then the Allied, what would they, what did they call them back then? Not the Allies, but the French and the either way. In, the, what, in World War One or two? The what? In in which one? World War One or two? Because one, yeah, not uh, so. the the triple entente. <laughs> triple entente. That's and that's what they were known as the triple entente. Germany. But they could disassemble oh, those guns with some thermite. I'm pretty sure, like super easy. So it became just like pointless for the Germans. Yeah, to, if they could get there with the thermite. Yeah. Um, but yeah, World War One. They were known as the Triple Entente: France, England, Russia. Shit, a l'entente. <laughs> I mean, we could talk about wars for until 
the cows come home. I, I don't think everyone wants to listen to that. I, I am very distrusting of the government. And I think a, a lot of that distrust isn't, you know, I'm not the only one that distrusts government, but I feel like people as a whole, once World War One happens, that's when this whole distrust of the government really starts. Oh, you know? yeah, because World War, the end of World War One. And World War Two is nothing but the deconstruction of the monarchies in a lot of places. Like you said, the Kaiser, the Tsar in Russia, deconstruction of that. World War Two is because it's the rebuilding back up of different types of government, obviously fascists and socialists and communists and democracies all being like, okay, which is the best one? Oh, we're going to fight. That's why it was a lot more easy to see the lines in world war two of what was you know who was the bad guys and the good guys like it's so much easier to see yeah world war one you know germany takes a lot of the blame for it and they both sides committed atrocities germany definitely committed atrocities um you know they were sinking commercial vessels using poisonous gases those asshole germans um (laughs) But yeah, World War II, I mean, it's just cl- cut and dry. Like, you've got Adolf Hitler on one side, Mussolini, who is kind of viewed as, like, a clown-like figure now. Mussolini is. Yeah, useless. He was useless. Um, <laughs> Mussolini's a pussy. Let's not even get into Italy in World War II. Like, people half the time are like, wait, Italy was in World War II until I watched more uh, World War II in color? I was like... Oh, that's why nobody talks about it. Yeah. Because they sucked. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and Bad. And that's how it was in both world wars. It's, you know, Germ like, if you think about World War One, it's, you know, everyone really just talks about Germany, but Turkey was on Germany's side. The Austro-Hungarian Empire, the, also known as the, or no, Turkey was the Ottomans. Turkey, Ottoma, Ottomans, Ottomans, and Austro-Hungarians. But no one <laughs> on the bad side bad side quotes could do anything besides germany they were always not doing what the germans told them to do you know the germans were like hey if you do this it's gonna be a disaster and they'd be like fuck you we're doing it anyway then it would be a disaster and they'd be like hey you have to send the soldiers or we're gonna just surrender and drop out of the war germany's like we can't afford that so they have to send them troops to bolster them back up um yeah the fact that germany was able to put up such a fight Basically by themselves in both world wars. Um, the first one is a lot more really impressive. You know, One, because it's hard to look at Germany as just like this evil, malevolent empire. You know, at the time there's propagandists, you know, talking about baby killers. And like I said, they did bad things. But the Allies, they I, in both world wars, I'm sure that both sides did terrible things. Um, I really do think that you know just talk about governments i think the world's governments of today really need we need to revolt and change the power structure of the governments um you know people today will talk about you know ca- the evils of capitalism if you're on the left you know if you're liberal or on the left it's capitalism's you know the evil force on the planet and then the people on the right will be like no capitalism is you know set people free it's made people millionaires it's what made this country great um what we need to do is just have a smaller government um and i really don't know there's 
I lean both ways on some things, but I really think if we want to change anything, we just need to completely overthrow the power structures in place. Um, <clears throat> Government's too big. One thing I like about World War One and what makes me think about, you know, the wars going on today, you know, the war on terror, you know, us being in the Middle East, you know, World War One, you know, at first, you know, it's just, you know, the governments are telling people like, oh, you know, this is just, you know, Germany's trying to come over and take conquer us, this and that. Um, Italy, I don't, I can't remember if Italy ever gets into the war officially. Um, in World War One. In World War One, but you know, both sides were trying to get Italy into the war, and they're like, oh, if you join our side, once we win, you can have this colony and this colony, and you can take this territory and this and that. Um, ironically enough, Japan was on the Allies' side in World War One. Really? Yeah. Um, it's not really talked about because there was not really any fighting in the Pacific theater, but Germany had a few islands and territories in the Pacific close to Japan, and they had a few holds in, like, mainland China. So they're like, well, Germany can't do anything to stop us from taking these over, so they... Took over. They took over those territories away from Germany in World War One. I mean, yeah. Ironically enough, <laughs> um, but I really think that's where we're at with today. Is all these wars are just you know the only reason the U.S. is fighting in the Middle East and all this is just to you know help protect its interest you know that's oil interest and all and they just want to have control over these areas and i just i don't smaller government i agree with you 100 percent. and i don't even know if it's just small like i don't know like i really wish bernie sanders would have won one of these elections one time to actually see if it's Either people can make all these promises and either they're just lying. Because I don't think Bernie's lying when he says what he wants to do. I think he's being genuine and not honest with it. So it's either everyone else is lying or they're telling the truth. But then when they get into office, it's you can't do that. Like Yeah, you can take you into the smoky room and show you the video a different angle of the it's, Kennedy assassination. Not even that, but like have you seen all <laughs> have you seen all the stuff like coming about like out with like UFOs and aliens? Yeah, we t- we've talked about that a little bit. I mean it's nuts. It's fucking crazy that like the government's basically now releasing all this information saying like, Yeah, there's aliens and there's been UFOs and we've like we there's nothing we can fucking do about it like if they just wanted to kill us all they probably could <laughs> um so i don't know if it's you know they take them into the back smoky room and like oh if you don't do what we say you'll go out like jfk or if it's like who knows if they've released everything yet there might be this like because if you look at the u.s military spending it's way harder than anyone else. Is it even if you would just combine all of you know the different states, different counties in this country, and add up the pol- spending that we spend on policing ourselves, it's like the sixth biggest budget you know for military you know because you could count you know the police as military you know because it's 
the same basic thing. And it's like the U.S. policing is like number six in the world on military budgets. And that doesn't even count our military budget. You know, so when people are like, oh, we need money for schools, roads, education, all these things. And the government's like, oh, we don't have the money for it. It's like, because we're spending trillions upon trillions of dollars on military and policing. For most of the time, these, you know, infraction, I don't even want to call them crimes, like, you know, selling loose cigarettes like Eric Gardner and then being choked to death. Yeah. And all these different... Or something s- as simple as having a joint in your ashtray and then yeah, or you're arrested and... I I feel bad for forgetting his name. Um, The one that was um, murdered in Minneapolis. Minneapolis. Um, the one that is the knee on his throat. Oh, George Floyd? Was it, Yeah, George Floyd. Um, What, he was trying to use like a... Allegedly like pass a t- counterfeit 20... And then he's kneed on till he's dead. Like, what the fuck? Like, it's... We have a major problem in this country, and... It's called money. Yeah, and it's def- it definitely is a money issue. Um, I've yeah. also been re-watching Making a Murderer. And you could t- go on either side of Stephen Avery and Brandon as he did it, didn't do it. But the whole legal system in this country is predicated on money. If you're, oh yeah, for sure. If you're poor in this country, you're getting fucked. Yeah, you're, and you're screwed. If you're poor in this country, you're not gonna get good lawyers. Like part of the reason why you probably won't even buy a lawyer. Like you won't even get a lawyer because you think, oh, because I'm not gonna be able to get a good lawyer. It's not gonna help me. Which is not. No one's being. No one in your community knows. Like. By some sort of lawyer, it's going to help you. Like even the even just having a lawyer walking in with you will reduce your sentence because they get to actually defend you. It's like the way the system is literally set up. If you go in there, you could be you could def- plead your case, but they don't give a shit. If you don't pay for a lawyer, they're like, eh, we're not going to really cut your time down. Get a lawyer, they'll be like, they'll cut your sentence in half just for hiring a lawyer just to be there. Yeah. It's, yeah, but it's all about money. So you got to spend money to have a lawyer to get yeah. sentence reduced, and it's like, that costs money? <laughs> exactly. And I, so I just want to step back for a second. I know it looks like we made a major jump here. We're talking about the Mongols, how vicious <laughs> and brutal they were, then yeah. we went to World War One. But I really, World War One really set the stage for how we, how the world is today. Mm-hmm. It's, the first time where there's like a major modern war it's i mean it's brutal it's the probably the most brutal like there's definitely been days in human history like the battle of cani when the romans are surrounded and just they're just like literally surrounded and the are um they're just killed one by one by sword and there are people it's there's reports of romans literally getting down on their hands and knees because they're so tightly packed that they can't even raise their hand to pull out a sword. So they just drop down to their knees, dig a hole in the sand, and bury their heads in it to suffocate to death. Is um, that where the the saying, bury your head in the sand, comes from? Maybe. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm just... But that's one day. You know, that's hours. World War One sets up, shows people that this is different. War's not the same anymore. 
You know, the Battle of Verdun lasts for months. You know, there's got to be a million casualties on both sides for, what, nothing. Just so these countries, even just talking about, not even just the battle in itself, just fighting for, you know, yards of land. But in the grand scheme of the war, this war was for fucking nothing. You know, it's these great old empires that want to keep a hold of their... Uh, like you know Britain was still controlling India and South Africa and France was controlling parts of Af you know Central Africa and Northern like all these countries had these vassal states underneath them that they just wanted to keep control of and that's what they were fighting about it's who like no fuck you like you don't need to rule the world like let these countries let these people rule themselves how they see fit yeah. Well, but yeah, but that's like, that doesn't matter. I mean, if you have power and you can do it. Yeah, but. And then you do do it. You know what I'm saying? If they, if you try to fight against it, who says you can't? You can. But if you fail, then you failed. And that's what happened. Survival of the fittest. Right? I, that's that's just the whole notion of human history. Definitely. But I'm, it's, but that's what makes World War One so sad to me is, I mean, it's, I and mean, eventually these countries do break free. You know, the Ottoman Empire falls, um, Austro-Hungarian falls. You know, they the czars of Russia, the czars fall. of Russia fall. Um, so you know, these big bloated old empires they collapse and create you know more modern like countries we would recognize today. Um, so war brings innovation then. I mean, from oh, World War One, because sure. of chemical warfare, right? Was the first war with chemical warfare was World War One. Yeah. Yeah. And then World War Two, we harnessed the power of the sun, right? Yeah. A yeah. lot yeah. of stuff in World War Two. I yeah. so much surgery and GPS and you, flight. Yeah, there or was, not really flight, but like jet engines. There you go. There was well, no flight in World War One. I? I would. I would yeah. say there was flight in World War One. Yeah. But it was very limited. I would say flight was really... Exp- Perf- yeah. It was... Th- I would say that's when... Flight was World War II. Like... Perfected. Not even perfected. It's... I mean... Because the bomb- bombing was still so random and inaccurate. But... Yeah. In World War One, you just had... These planes that look closer to something that the Wright brothers were flying. Yeah, like, <laughs> like... And they just throw, like, yeah, rocks just out or yeah. just... <laughs> yeah, they would literally just grab bombs and just... Yeah, drop them, toss them out the <laughs> plane. Yeah. Um, World War. I mean, after you look at, I mean, because think of America post World War Two. We talked about it a little bit on one of the previous episodes of like after World War Two, it was the white picket fence. I mean, you started having flights across America and the world. Why? Because we real like they created planes that could carry thousands of pounds of bombs. So like. Well, shit, people are easy now. Yeah. We, we yeah. can carry people for thousands of miles, no problem. Well, and speaking of flight in those wars, who's the most famous pilot from either war that everyone in this country has heard the name of? Wait, what? There's a pilot from World War One that everyone in this country knows. Actually, on the German side, I don't understand why we have oh. pizza named after him, but we do. Red Baron. Oh, Red what? Baron so Pizza. That was, that was really- <laughs> oh. I don't understand how the fuck that became a thing, but it Red did. Baron, why, why was he significant? Oh, he was like the greatest fighter pilot in like World War One, and <laughs> now, now we eat pizza named after him. <laughs> well, That's good job, Red you, Baron. You killed a lot of French pilots, so now we you get fucking pizza named after you. 
<laughs> wow. <laughs> to think if you could go back in time and tell the Red Baron, hey, guess what? All this work, all this effort you're going to do, it's going to It's going to get you a so- name on a pizza. That's it. He's going to be like. On shitty Shut- little frozen yeah. pizza. Yeah, he's going to pizza at that. He's going to go. Shiza! <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that. Well, and then we change history. No more Red Baron pizza. It's going to be called the Blue Herring Pizza. <laughs> yeah, I have no fucking clue. Um, um, it's. Oh, I think even going back to connecting this full circle, connecting it to uh, what we first introed the podcast, a big reason why I wanted to talk about Kangas Khan was because you know like you're saying World War One set us up for World War Two and World War Two set us up for where we're at now. But looking back to Kangas Khan, he kind of set up the world as we know it because we were kind of talking about Europe wasn't as advanced as the Middle East and China. So it's kind of what I'm getting at is America or I'm sorry. Europe discovered America and whatever. Kind like, of. You know what I'm saying. Like They at least colonized yeah. so much of that area. And China and the Middle East were set back so much because of Kangas Khan basically getting at that wars not only advanced humans so much, but they also can change the course of history by so much. Because I, I know you and I have talked about how like if that would have happened... You know, China, or I'm sorry, if Genghis Khan wouldn't have happened and say it just would have been a regular nomadic step person and just fought amongst themselves, fought amongst the tribe, who knows if China wouldn't have been the one to colonize America or the Middle, or East. Middle East or yeah, whatever. we might be, you know, instead of, you know, a Christian nation, you know, one nation under God, which is bullshit. You know, the, everyone knows the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge yeah. allegiance to the flag. They didn't add under God to the Pledge of Allegiance until like the 40s or 50s my grandpa always refused to say under god whenever he said the pledge of allegiance he's like that's horse shit he's like the original pledge of allegiance was one nation indivisible with liberty and justice for all then they eventually added under god but yeah who knows we could have been a muslim islamic nation um under allah yeah under allah (laughs) i think i think europe would have allied itself with one of those two and then they would have fought amongst each other I mean, after they squashed one of them. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows it's, if they would have, Europe would have won, or it might have set Europe back to where they wouldn't have been able to colonize until someone else was able to colonize before them. That's just, yeah, you, but, no but, one knows. Obviously, uh, we'd have to look. But what you're saying is that war changes the power spectrum oh, for sure. of the world. There's a reason why we've gone to war for millions of years yeah uh, to check ourselves humans or whatever thousands if maybe if there's no Genghis Khan maybe I maybe Europe doesn't maybe England doesn't colonize the planet you know they used to say the sun never sets on the British flag you know because British had colonies all over the planet so that whenever it was setting in one part you know there's another colony with a British flag there um maybe you know the age of expansion exploration and colonization doesn't happen because there's these parts of the world that we're still trying to recover from Genghis Khan and his Mongolian empire 
where it's they're just able to rule themselves as they see fit. Maybe the world's a better place without a Genghis Khan. Yeah, um, and Europe might have not been able to conquer them as easily because they would have been able to put up a better fight, and they might have just been like, oh, let's not worry about them. They're kind of actually fighting us. Like, let's not. We're, we're, Genghis Khan destroyed them that they were, you know, England was able to go in and be like, well, this is easy. <laughs> yeah. They're sent back to the Stone Age. We don't even have to try. We got some rifles, and they got fucking bows still, and we just wipe them up and just conquer them, you know. Uh, that's something that they didn't teach us in school, and that's why I wanted to bring it up and why it, I've always wanted to talk about Genghis Khan for the people that have made it this far and listened to just learning about the history of some of these yeah. wars that we didn't learn about in school. When the... What we're taught in the U.S. school system, I wouldn't call it, you know, there's, you might have in high school, you might go, I can't remember if I had world history or there's a time where, you know, they're going to be like, oh, we're going to talk about world, world history. They don't teach us world history. They teach us white history in these schools. Yeah. yeah they European America history. They te- yeah, and they might talk about things that happened in Africa, Asia, and the Middle East, but it's always from, you know, with a white bias. It's a white, you know, Anglo-Saxon European bias. Because they're the ones that did the most, though. I mean, they colonized I, the world. That's well, why. yeah. History is written by the victor. The victor. So, but yeah. I mean, but I know what he's saying. That's where we lose out, though, a little bit on. Yeah, I mean, the Genghis, like Genghis Khan, Khan thing. It's been said that the reason why it hasn't been taught in the Western world is because they don't like the fact that someone greater than Alexander the Great came yeah. out and was not white. That's why they don't really talk yeah, about him. Exactly. That's but, what he's. I, I mean. He, if you look at, like, Jesus, Jesus wasn't fucking blonde hair, blue-eyed, white. I was just scrolling through TikTok, um, actually last night, and there was a clip from the Malcolm X movie. I can't, I've never seen it. I actually want to watch it now. It's, I know it's an older movie because it has, um, I think Denzel Washington's playing Malcolm, Malcolm X in this movie. And um, he's talking about how, and the little 60 second TikTok about how Jesus wasn't white. And it's even says in the Bible, I think if I can remember the quote correctly, that, you know, Jesus' feet were, you know, like brass, you know, the color of brass. You know, it's obvious that Jesus was, you know, Middle Eastern Arabic. You know, he would have been, looked like a middle, he would have had Middle Eastern features. He would have been, you know, darker skinned. Yeah. But. It's kind of like when Cody was here and he was talking about how there's no proof that Jesus Christ ex- existed. So it's like a made up I mean, demigod. Yeah, but, but even if he didn't, it doesn't matter if he existed or not for the context of this. It's, you know, you could talk about Santa Claus, you know, people, some people like to joke, you know, Santa Claus is black. You know, it's what, who gives a fuck about Santa Claus? But it's, you know, Jesus. Well, Santa Claus doesn't have a hundred couple hundred page book written about <laughs> yeah. so santa claus is yeah more open to just interpret you do whatever the fuck you yeah, want so when you're if, tra- if someone wants to draw a picture of a black santa claus it's cool whatever but we need to get past this notion that world history is white history well see you gotta also see that 
the portrayal of your Savior, Jesus Christ, applies to the majority of people that's being imposed on Christianity, right? So it was primarily Europe. You're not going to tell them, hey, your Savior is this Arab man. You're not going to tell them that. Because yeah. um, so, the Europeans are the pretty so, much the one to really adopt Christianity. Right. Before so that, to sell something, like, you got to appease the people that you're trying to sell it to so they'll buy it. Oh, yeah. And that's the biggest thing with the whole Bible, especially the New Testament. Like, I just went on a whole tangent about it earlier today about just the Old Testament to the New Testament. It's it's so much different. Well, the Old <laughs> Testament's weird because not only does Christianity and Judaism follow, but that's also an important book in Islam. Yeah, that, that's I, that's what a lot. Of, I don't know how many. I don't want to say a lot. I, I'm not going to try and sit here and judge what people know, but I I don't know if, how many people actually realize that like Islam, you know, when they say Allah, like that's another word for God. Mm-hmm. Their God is the Christian God. It's the Jew the Jewish Hebrew God. God. The, it's like, um, it's the God. They always talk about the God of Abraham. You know, yeah. the son of Abraham, like. Abraham is a very important figure in all three, three. Reli- the Abra- they're all three Abrahamic religions. Exactly. A lot of and people don't realize that. It's the only time it splits is, you know, when you talk about Muhammad and Jesus, you know, Ju- Judaism doesn't believe that anybody's come yet. There's no prophet. They're They've been well, they waiting. think it's gonna. We just talked about this on one of the previous episodes that he's still coming. But this is where oh. I made I made fun of it because I was like, he's still coming. But that's the guy that they're talking about is the antichrist, is the antichrist in Christianity. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's gonna unite everything. You're like, well, that's the antichrist in Christianity. Yeah, Judaism's like, oh, it's been you know three thousand plus years, whatever. He he's still coming. He's really late for the fucking party. He's gonna come. <laughs> well, Christian, the thing- Christianity's like, fuck it, we're gonna this out of the way he's already came he came fucking yeah oh. he's already done dude but, yeah oh. that, but that's for so that people won't think about it right so like christianity it was primarily for europeans right and then islam was again like the same thing as christianity and judaism but for for arabs so well, that's why i feel like all all those were changed and interpreted for the people they were well originally know. christianity wasn't originally for europeans um I do think there's, I, I think Chris, I think not just, I was going to say Christianity, but I think that religion is almost like a cancerous thought and idea. Like it's caused so much death, so much destruction, so much hatred between people. But I think it, a lot of it's been bastardized. Um, sure. If you look up John Marco Allegro, the sacred mushroom and the cross. He thinks that Christianity was originally a cover up for a cult. <laughs> yeah, basically a mushroom cult though. Like a mushroom cult with fertility rituals and a lot of these stories were changed. You know, the the most famous Bible, the King James Bible, was written by literally King James. You know, he didn't for write his it personally. Benefit. Yeah, but yeah. it was he commissioned that Bible for his benefit to you know it was he wanted to go against the Pope because the Pope was the all powerful. Yeah, I mean, people like and that's one thing I didn't realize until later on in life is the Pope really held a lot. Like we like I know the Pope's like a revered figure and he holds a lot of 
I say power, like he doesn't have like world power. He can't like declare wars. But if you're a Catholic, like the Pope is the highest. Yeah, the closest being to God. <laughs> um, but back in the day, you know, if you look at like the 1200s, 13, 1400s, like the Pope could basically declare wars. Like he was basically a world leader at this point. Um, but if we could get back to a point where if we, who cares who you worship, who cares what God you worship or believe is true. I definitely do believe there is a good place for religion, any religion. And I do think that's one of the problems with people today is we have a hole in our subconscious mind that we used to fill with God or at least a higher power to be like, this is why we live. This is what we're going for. And at the end of it, it's going to pay off into something. You know, if you're an atheist, when you die, you're just fucking dead. So who cares if you're a piece of shit? You're just going to be dead. You're either going to be buried in the earth or cremated. You're dead. So you could be a dickhead to everybody. It doesn't matter. And I really, I don't, I don't really enjoy atheism. I would, I do, I definitely believe there's something out there. I, I don't know. It's definitely not like the Christian God. And it ain't no man. It ain't no We're man. We're all gonna die. <laughs> Predator. <laughs> um, Judaism is really good then. You should look into that one. Yeah. Because it's, it's it similar it. to like atheism where they don't really have like a purpose or an afterlife. But they believe. I think there's an God. afterlife. I but, think there's something. I think after we die, our consciousness transcends into something. I think. If you've ever done psychedelics, it's hard to be like, it's it's over after this. Like, it's just black nothingness. Yeah. Most it's, Jews don't do psychedelics. Well, they should. Everyone should do psychedelics. I agree. But there's a half and half to me where I'm like, because I've done some psychedelics. I'm like, yeah. And we've talked about both on this podcast. Yep. If the Maybe our consciousness does get recycled and we go back into some... Some afterlife. life stream, as we call it, just some sort of like big ball of white light consciousness. And when you're ready to come back, you just get shot back down here into a next baby, and you're like, well, or maybe it's just black and there's you just die. But or maybe you just, you know, wake up in the or maybe Christianity yeah. was right, or you wake up in another <laughs> universe. You wake, was, you wake up yeah. and you're like, before, before the podcast, we were talking about, hell. you know, Alex Jones and. Talk about the interdimensional vampires. You know, they're going to come and steal the life force from our children with the. Adrenochrome. Everything. Um, you know, Barack Obama, blah, blah, blah. But maybe, you know, maybe after you die, you do transcend into, you know, a different dimension. You know, maybe there's. who Like, there maybe there's a life force in all of us. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's definitely possible. Yeah, like you said, you do some psychedelics and it definitely feels like, I don't know, there could be there could be something out there that's different than what we know here on Earth. It's just hard to say. I don't like, you know, the problem is you get into someone like, what's his name, Richard Dawkins, you know, he'll be like, religion and all that kind of, any kind of ideals of an afterlife is all fucking pointless what's the point like don't even think about that you know 
the yeah, other thing that I, must be a Jew then. <laughs> the other thing I hate about like yeah. when we talk about like world history and white history, you know, let's say white history is like I, I feel like puritanism and all like you know don't do drugs. Like you just have to be like pure and holy to God and sober. Like sobriety is like godliness to like these. Yeah, to go to heaven or whatever. It's. But like I said, you know, there's evidence that like early Christianity was using psychedelics and like was a fertility cult. And yeah. All of this and that. Yeah. Someone saw what, the potential for power in that and changed it. It's. And I feel like European Puritanism has just crushed. And it's definitely happening. Like not even just European. It's happening in America. It's happened in America. And. They're just trying to crush and subdue the power of what your conscious mind can do. Especially, like, I feel like everyone should at least do one psychedelic trip. Like, I'm not saying everyone should go out and do, like, the, like, seven ounces or seven grams of dried mushrooms. Like, you're going to lose your fucking mind. Don't do that, please. But everyone should <laughs> find the right amount fu- and try it. And even if not that, like meditate, like there, you know, people will say that if you, you know, meditate long enough or work on meditation, you can maybe in a float tank too. float tank or DMT, your own body produces DMT. Like, I feel like everyone DMT should almost be handed out. I, I don't want to say like candy, but. You know, DMT only lasts for 15 minutes. I've never done DMT. I want to do DMT so badly. But a DMT trip's only supposed to last last 15 minutes of, like, real time. It might feel like hours, but it's only supposed to last, like, 15 minutes of real time. So you could get off work, come home, do DMT one, like, Friday night, Saturday. Like, you're going to be fine Monday morning, but it's... The governments of the world want to, when it's so funny, I'm going to bring it back to World War One. i I'll, I'll bring it full circle. But we, you know, in both world wars, we're fighting the Germans. And the Germans come from like this Prussian influence, you know, Prussia, Prussia is like east of Germany. That's where like the German nobility grew up. Um, our school systems modeled after like a Prussian system, like. The reason why the Germans were so scary is like they just followed this Prussian martial law code. And it was, you're going to go to school, you're going to be taught how to be a good Prussian boy or girl, and you're going to fall in the line, you're going to do it, like you're just going to fucking do what you're told, and it's going to be harsh, but it is it is what it is. Like the Germans, part of the reason why the Germans have such a bad rap from both world wars, not, you know, take out Hitler, just World War One. you know, the reason why they looked so brutal and they were so harsh on, like, civilians is because that's how they were on themselves. They were, if you stepped out of line, you were going to be punished severely. And the, the United States and other countries looked at that like, hey, they can control their citizens. So they adopted this Prussian schooling system, like, if you look at the schools today, it's like, why the fuck do I have to know trigonometry? I don't fucking care about trig two or trig one. I don't want to be a fucking rocket scientist. I don't need 
to know trigonometry, but they act like you have to fucking know it or you're going to be a fucking failure in life. I, I feel uh, like it's to uh, pressure you to not pursue that. And, and so it's, you could be a. That's maybe why, like, you get so many uh, Einsteins and von Brauns from Germany back then, is because they pressured you into being like, if you don't understand rocket science, you're a fucking loser. Yeah, when it's. The, well, I don't even know if it's that, because it's. There's, they're both Jewish, and there's a weird correlation with European yeah. Jews and Nobel Prize winners. Yeah. Like, for some reason, European Jews are just, they fucking got it. Like, they European are, Jews, Ashkenazi Jews. <laughs> like, but they, like, more European Jews have won Nobel Prizes than any other type of people. Like, and you can maybe say it's biased, you know, white, but it's, like, so, if you look at Von Braun, I like, you can't deny what Einstein did, but to get back to the point for a second, it's, The governments of the world are trying to, they want to control consciousness. And I think they know more than they want to admit. No, yeah, they so know a lot with, more. With what's going on with consciousness. Oh, yeah. And what's sure. going to happen when you die or you might just transcend into a higher being or higher power. And they want to control that. And if <clears throat> we want to make real changes in this world, in this country, we need to end the war on drugs. And let people explore and alter their state of consciousness. <clears throat> yeah, but it'll never happen just because they have too much it, power. But it's happening. It it's, it's happening, happening slowly. Like no, if not. you look if you look at the state of Washington, they what Oregon. Or Oregon, yeah, they decriminalized or legalized decriminalize yeah. all drugs yeah but that's not really winning so that, what you're that, wanting that, that, is that, that is winning, people, we want people to free their mind and not be slaves is what you're saying right but but that is winning you know if it's not you know i'm sure there's still like you can probably like go to jail if you have too much like if you have like five pounds of psilocybin mushrooms on you like i'm sure there's some limit to it well yeah since but, it's just decriminalized but, it's still but the fact that like it's like this we're starting to remove the stigma like look at marijuana like how old are you uh 600 666 years question old mark. <laughs> like i'm almost 30 you're a little bit younger than me right i'm older than both of you okay so you're, you're over 30 mm -hmm. so just go back to when we we're kids like who like no one thought in 1993 that you know, 20 years later or, you know, 20, 20 some years later, there'd be multiple states where you could just go to the fucking a store and buy an ounce of marijuana of not in good marijuana, like good high way better than that's what I was going to say. Even the first time I was smoking weed just 10 years ago, way better. Yeah. Way better yeah, than the shit. You, get, you could actually find Reggie nowadays. People are like, kids nowadays would be like what's that what is reggie yeah it's <laughs> like this country is flooded with like high quality marijuana like you can't find shit marijuana in this country and it's harder to find that than good marijuana anymore it used to be 10 years ago the opposite you'd be like someone found some bc bud or some or some kush you'd be like oh. Ooh. nowadays it's like 
That's B B C Bud or Kush. Nowadays, it'd be like that's fucking garbage. That's like nothing. But yeah, it, it, and marijuana. Another thing to clarify is marijuana in a high, especially if you edibles, can be a mild psychedelic for sure. We talked about it on the four twenty episode with not a shaman. But we are, I think we are starting to slowly win the drug war. I think people, it's not going to happen. What what is it? Um. What's the quote? You know, this is the way the world ends. This is the way the world ends. Not with a bang, with a whimper, something like that. Like, that's how the drug war is going to end. It's not going to be some, you know, we're not fighting anybody. Who, You know, how do you fight a war on drugs? You can't, like, aspirin's a fucking drug. What? You know, you can't fight a war on drugs. Like, you can't fight a war on terror. I think the war on drugs, besides the mean of control and making money, was uh, another means of making people identify their allies and their uh, enemies because even to this day i've met people that are really like oh no any drug is bad and if you take drugs you're a piece of shit no matter do what do they drink coffee did you ask them that like hey motherfucker do you drink coffee because that's a drug like right but and if they're I'm like oh i drink at, coffee every day like is that they use that to sort of make look at the country that we live in now everyone has a side or the other everyone's being placed one way or the other and it's so funny you guys were talking about genghis khan and shit how it's funny how dictators how they rise to power is that they unify a country first and then they move and conquer but prior to that it's a broken country and it's nothing i mean that's yeah that's what hitler did with you know world war ii germany like, oh yeah and many others did like, too like oh, yeah. uh, oh, yeah, dictators yeah, yeah. tend to just do that unify yeah. a country and it just becomes prominent and I, my thought forward. is it's kind of like how democracy has real, they realize like if you get, or but not even just democracy, capitalism, they realize the best way to control people is just allow them to fall into this, you know, capitalist trap of getting bills, but they'll also produce a lot more than if you just force them to do it. Maybe that's the same kind of with drugs. It's yeah. like we give people before it was keep the drugs away from them and the people who do it, we got to lock them up. Well, maybe now their thought is, is like allow them to do all the drugs they want. And then we can keep them more controlled than we thought. Yeah, that, that makes like, sense. Cause look, man, the thing about the governments we live in the Western world, they're too powerful. They're oh, they like, are like, definitely too. Like powerful. you said, they, they know more. So they've been controlling and manipulating for years. There's nothing that they haven't already seen, predicted, and will know how it will turn out. And when, when you were talking about, like, white history, that's because, and this is for anyone listening, okay? I'm really, like, it, you need to understand, white people conquered the world, and this is just true. Oh, yeah. um, so everything that in history, if, if you feel like, oh, they colonized, colonized this country and this other one, and it's bad, doesn't matter. Maybe in another universe, the white man didn't conquer the world, okay? But in this one, the white man conquered the world, and this is why history is the way it is, right? Oh. It doesn't matter. If it, if it wasn't going to be them, it was going to be someone else, and it would have been their history, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, right? I think that's well, what we were trying to talk about with Genghis Khan is... If it wouldn't have been Europeans, that's what you're basically saying. It would have been the Chinese. It would, it would have been, been people from else. the Middle East or but wherever. That, that goes back to the survival of the fittest. Like, that, this is true no matter what. And it'll always be. So, you know, right now, you know, with with what's going on, it's all part of the plan, I feel like. Everything's part of the plan. There's nothing that we will ever do 
to get ahead of those in power because they've done it for so long and they have so much power like if the government wanted to come down on its citizens here in the country there's nothing we could do we'd get yeah. fucked well one of my favorite quotes from the world war one podcast i was just listening to still am listening to um i can't remember who says it i'd have to go back i think it's episode two if you ever do buy and download the series but it's as civilization advances, man becomes more vile. And you could look at that and be like, oh, no, I mean, we've definitely become more of a peaceful people. But I look at it as, you know, like an Alexander the Great, like how he just conquered, you know, most of the known and unknown world at the time, you know, because humanity starts in Africa, works its way up, you know, North Africa, the Mediterranean middle east parts of europe and that's what he conquers is that area of the world so but it's you know civilization still relatively young life isn't as valuable you know we don't have as much of a connection to everything you know genghis khan's time he kills anywhere between 20 and 80 million people some people try to give him a pass like, oh, well, you know, the reason why he killed so many is because those the people of the step viewed settled society as more of like herding animals than people. <laughs> and it's I, I call bullshit on it all. Like, I, I don't think it matters if you're born in the year 5000 B.C. or 20, 1991 C.E. Like I, um, you know, everyone knows murder's bad. I think it's pretty obvious you know you're not no other animal just goes out and is like a deer doesn't just look at another deer it's like that motherfucker has to die yeah why and you know another could ask like why is that deer have to die fuck him yeah well even worse is yeah there's not even like they find a really petty reason like the deer more than likely it's because encroaching on its territory or for if it's a predator yeah. it's because it's hungry or I mean, yeah it's gotta get dominance I, I guess the animals though do a little bit they, like they get the dominance they, part but they don't go and eradicate they don't i guess the better way to say it is the the leader of uh say like a wolf pack doesn't not just kill the alpha wolf and then also try to get get those wolf to kill every single wolf on the planet and be like, we're going to conquer all yeah, the wolves like, in the whole planet. Yeah, when 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 I mentioned deer, like there's definitely cases of where a deer has killed another deer. You know, two bucks. You know, maybe in like during the rut and breeding season. You know, when they're bucking horns and fighting, there's chances that one of those are gonna die. But there's not just one deer just walking around. You know, the forest like looking to kill every fucking deer it runs into you know we, we i would imagine deer probably have the same thing like we i need to keep my fellow deer alive because there's the wolves out there the problem is there is no wolf of man you know we've evolved and grown past that where we no longer worry about wolves and lions and tigers and bears the only other thing that can kill man is man. That's man the is, ultimate. Man is the wolf of man. Metallica. Um, <laughs> of wolf of man. <laughs> but. Um, but I mean, definitely in the past, it's more of like, you know, back in Alexander's time, you did have to worry more about wolves and bears. You know, people didn't have guns and 
as stable shelters and things like that. But so even though maybe we've become more gentle and progressive, like I definitely do believe as civilization has progressed, we've just become like we're killing this planet every fucking day. Like we're polluting it. I don't think Amer- you know people will be like, oh, America doesn't do enough, and, and we can definitely do more. I mean, but we also need to like look at China. China is right now the number one polluter yeah. on the planet. Yeah, I've said this before. They uh they outrank everyone's emissions all over the world, and this there's just them. Yeah, it's and it's that's one thing. When I see people on the left talk about like, oh, we need to like worry more about the environment. I definitely agree. We need to worry more about the environment, but they act like America's the worst at it. It's no, like we're definitely not the worst. It's if you look at like these growing countries like India and China, like it's, they're the worst at it. And it's because they want to get up to where we're at. They're trying to grow their economies and grow their countries to where we're at. And we're definitely to blame because I, you know, European history, white history has suppressed those countries. So I'm not saying we're faultless. But before you yell at somebody at Walmart for using a fucking plastic bag or whatever, just remember China doubles our emissions, global emissions every year. And it's, we need to figure out a way. I, I don't know what the fuck we'll ever do. Because like, it's a whole goal, global problem. You know, Russia is actually kind of excited for global warming. Like, <laughs> we have all this fucking Siberia. Like, we have this tundra that we can't grow shit on. So if temperatures rise and all of a sudden that land becomes fertile, we're the new America because now America is going to become a desert and we're going to have all this fertile farmland. Well, it looks like we're going to have to go kick Russia's ass. Yeah. <laughs> Russia's like... Global warming, warming, warming. Yeah, because I mean, they're in a cold part of the country, so or the world, not country. They're in a cold part of the world on the planet. So if it warms up, even if like even if temperatures raise by eight degrees worldwide, which would be fucking catastrophe. You know, the ice caps would melt, billions would be dead. Hopefully, I mean, honestly, like <laughs> hopefully, Bill Burr talks about how like he's joked before about how we just need like a lot of people just on this planet need to die. I agree. And I know, I think humans are a cancer on this planet. We yeah. are a cancer. Oh, the first one of the killing the planet slowly. What was that? One of the earliest J- Joe Rogan standups I ever watched. He kind of like says that about LA. When you fly into LA, it looks like a fucking cancer <laughs> and it keeps growing every year. You burn it. And it rebuilds. You knock it down. It rebuilds. He's like, it's essentially a cancer. And that's the only good thing about Genghis Khan is because he killed so many people. <laughs> I think he sp- he slowed down. Like we might be at like a trillion people if it wasn't for Genghis Khan. So <laughs> you know, I think I brought it up before too. It's that's the reason why we have all these problems going on right now is because we haven't had another big war to kind of even out the growing population, making it you know so bad it's because we haven't fought we haven't cleansed ourselves as humans right uh, maybe but, that's um, another reason why they want yeah, the, yeah the u.s hasn't really been a major war since vietnam yeah we i mean no one really has either I, throughout uh, the world everyone's just fighting online skirmishes and, and, and yeah, this bullshit kind of trying to tell you how yeah, there's to been a be few, right like, or wrong genocides like rodonda 
or Rwanda. Yeah, but nothing major. Yeah, nothing major. That's why they're trying to just give us the drugs, lower testosterone. I know what you're saying. Like, I definitely do think we need to slow down the birth rate worldwide. But like, who's gonna be like, hey, like. You fifty Pull million. Out. People, yeah, you five hundred. Well, no, not that. But like, <laughs> hey, you, that's good advice, dude. A lot of people don't. I'm like, what the fuck's your problem? But who's gonna be like, hey, yeah. you five hundred million people over here, you just need to fucking die for the betterment of the planet. Like, that's that's a tough fucking sell. Like, yeah, that's why let's just have another war and let it happen. Maybe they just maybe in the future we'll just but start getting just so happen. many. It'll be like Hunger Games, but on a little bit bigger scale. Throw a I, couple. If that thousand if there's people. even a world, right? Like what says like all of a sudden this fucking comet comes and just like hey fuck the world. I, the birth rate has been slowing. You know, as countries get more advanced and well, more opportunities. Thanks, Japan. Yeah. Well, no, that happened in China, right? Like they have a like they have zero point zero four percent growth rate last year i mean that's good <laughs> that is good <laughs> i and i'm i imagine the birth rate slowing down in india you know the two biggest countries by population china and india yeah the birth rate slowing as they become more advanced and technologically advanced and there's more opportunities for everybody i wouldn't worry too much about india though i've seen a lot of brutal videos of accidents and people getting killed <laughs> and it's always in fucking india and it's always indian people and i'm like yeah we're not going to worry about them overpopulating anytime soon. I, yeah, there's, I, yeah, I know the video you're talking about, like people like driving trucks or yeah, like, and like doing stupid shit yeah, or like getting run over by trains, doing by like, tractors, getting uh, like bad electrocuted. Industri- bad industrial accidents. They're always just grabbing power lines like nothing and then they're just getting fucking murdered. I'm like, meh. Look at that. What'd you call that? Uh, natural selection? <laughs> yeah, survival of the fittest. Right. And that's what we don't have. That's why we're overpopulating because a couple hundred years ago, the if you weren't smart, the smallest thing could kill you. You what went is- outside and it was cold and you were drunk. You just fucking die. Nowadays, someone would be like, let me help you. Oh, let's take you to the hospital. No, well, back then you just fucking died. But see, well, I- this goes back to the notion of good and bad. Um, watch episode two. Episode two is the good and yep, evil that we talk about. It. So I don't believe in such a thing because... I don't look at life like that. Nothing's gray and white. I mean, black and white. Everything's gray. But this goes back to the aspect of like, oh, you sh- we shouldn't say to kill people and this and that. But you know what? The thing about life, and I've talked about this a lot, no one wants to take the bad that comes with the good, right? We have to have a balance of everything. This is why we also need to check the human race, okay? Overpopulation is causing too many problems. Um, we need to check each other when you check the human race and a lot of people say well that's bad look the greeks did it okay the greeks did it um major wars were fought and that did it itself it was like a natural way not natural process of that happening um we're not doing it now and even i don't care what people say most christian people don't believe in such a thing but it's like look it's beneficial it's all that matters what is beneficial you got to take the good and the bad that comes with any and everything that's just the thing. No one wants to take the bad because it's like, no, I don't want that. So Dude, we just want the good. So bring the Colosseums back. Well, we have the Colosseums. <laughs> I was actually going to bring that up. You know, really? um, oh, the boxing rings, MMA. Fight. No, right. that's nah, not that's good kidding. enough. No, no one dies. Too much. <laughs> well, but no, I was going to bring, I was actually just thinking about that. Um, you know, they talk about like the fall of the Roman Empire, you know, like, you know, just give them entertainment and bread. You know, the Colosseums, like they, 
like everyone thinks about like the Colosseum, like in Rome, which I've been there. It's fucking crazy. Like even just seeing it now, which is, you know, stripped down to like its bones. It's amazing to see. But there were other smaller venues, you know, throughout the Roman Empire, you know, where they would have gladiator, gladiators fight, things like that. You know, to like just keep the people happy was, you know, give them entertainment, give them bread. There's a different, I can't think of the exact quote. Um, but if you like look at some of these, like Jake Paul is fighting people now. Like Jake yeah. Paul is getting ready to fight fucking Floyd Mayweather. Yeah. A clown versus a professional. It's, we're starting to get to a point where it's. Like, like what you're saying. Yeah. It's because they had gladiators at the end fight animals because humans were too boring. Yeah. So we're starting to get to a point of like ridiculous. Like, yeah, well, it's, it's getting ridiculous. The, well, the fall of the Greek empire was also, it got to a pinnacle where everyone was arguing over ideologies and that's what it, it, it fell. And almost every civilization falls and we're kind of at that pinnacle right now. We're, we're definitely the outlier of. You know, just there's never really been like, you know, if you look at the Great Depression of America, but there's never been like a fall and a collapse of the American system where it just imploded and we had to rebuild it. And we're due like it's we are the outlier of world history of this system's just going and going and going. And it doesn't so far, it doesn't seem like it's going to stop. But as things get more ridiculous, it's like with the Jake Paul Mayweather fight, you know, more athletes feel the need to speak out on political issues, which definitely use LeBron your James. Like, yeah, and definitely use your platform on certain things. But when LeBron James tried to say, I'm, I'm going to bring up the China issue with the NBA when, um, China was trying to take over what um, Hong Kong when China was trying to take over mm-hmm. control of Hong Kong, and Daryl Morey tweeted out the image "I stand with Hong Kong" or whatever that image was going around, and LeBron James was came out and it was like, you know, the NBA lost millions of dollars, you know, hundreds of millions, tens of millions of dollars from that, and LeBron was like, you know, Daryl Morey needs to become more versed in world politics before he speaks out on that. It's like. Huh. Wait, so <laughs> you want to talk about black people being oppressed in this country, which they definitely are. There's definitely white privilege. I'm not trying to take away from that. But you want to defend China when they're committing genocide as we speak right now against Uyghur Muslims. Yeah, not only that, China doesn't like black people. But they're committing genocide against Uyghur Muslims. They're trying to take over you know, a sovereign state in Hong Kong that doesn't want their to be underneath their thumb and you're going to tell somebody to get more versed in global politics because it costs you money. Like, no, just shut up. Like, yeah, no. you can, no one in the entertainment industry should have any say in politics. You can have a say like whenever he talks about, you know, George Floyd, this and that, like he's right. Like there are definitely, you know, what, I'll admit white privilege is thing. I'm a beneficiary of white privilege. My family owns, you know, like all together, like my grandma and my two great uncles own roughly like a thousand acres of farmland. 
all three of them own like a couple acres, thousand acres of farm or a thousand acres of farmland. How did we get that? Because we were lucky enough to fucking move here in the 1800s and the U.S. government gave it to us. That's the only, like, that's why we have it. And then we got lucky and they just settled on a good plot of land, had good farmland, made money, bought more farmland. Not a lot of, you know, Mexicans, Chinese, you know, any other peoples can say that unless you're a white European person, you can say that you are lucky enough to move to an area and just get land given to you by the U.S. government. So that's white privilege. Like, that's definitely white privilege. But then don't speak out against, don't try and defend China when they're committing genocide and act like you're on a higher pedestal because someone costs you $5 million a year. Like, fuck your $5 million a year. You're worth $100 billion. Like, go fuck yourself. Yeah. Um, definitely China is not a great country to support if you like anything to do with freedom of Human religion. Rights. Yeah, there you go. That's the easier way to say it. Human rights in general. <laughs> Don't support China. <laughs> no, it's anyone like we're going to look back in 20 years. And those quotes that LeBron James made about Daryl Morey, we're going to be like, that's a black mark on his legacy or anyone that says anything positive about China is we're oh, going to yeah. look back after time passes. And it's going to be like, you know, they're trying to literally exterminate Uyghur Muslims that have been living like Uyghur Muslims have been living in China since the time of Genghis Khan bringing it back to full bring it full circle like there are Uyghur Muslims in the Mongolian Empire like they've been there for you know hunt like hundreds of years and the Chinese have never liked them and now they've finally figured out like we can just we can exterminate them we can kill all these Uyghur poor Uyghur Muslims have been living in these poor rural underdeveloped areas what the chinese don't like anyone that's not chinese pretty much if you're not a ethnic chinese yeah ethnic chinese who's very pro-communist their you know their government i mean but like we were talking about that's how you usually get a country that the reason why is because they're trying to be number one so what do you do you start genociding. You start getting everybody on the same page. If you but, don't get on the same page, we fucking kill but you. China's well, been doing that for years, dude. For fucking well, years. Oh well, yeah, ever since Mao Zedong. When what Stalin <laughs> say? One death is a tragedy. A million deaths is a, st- a million deaths is a statistic. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say a victory, but <laughs> no, it's, I mean, it's also reminds me of like. Uh, Dark Knight Rises, where he's like, oh, a hundred soldiers could die, and nobody cares, and one little mayor dies, and everybody starts losing their mind, yeah, you know what I mean? He's like, exactly, yeah, it's yeah. like, one important person dies, oh, fine. Or just even one person. like, or, yeah, True, yeah, like, it's a lot more of a tragedy. If, you know, the news, if someone was just murdered down the road here in Lafayette, like, Lafayette's a decent-sized town, but it's pretty small. You know, if one person's dead in Lafayette, it's... Everyone's sad, as they should be, you know. Like, human life's pretty valuable. But if all of a sudden nuclear bombs were dropped on the East Coast and, you know, everything east of the Mississippi is destroyed, like, no one, you can't connect with that. Like, yeah. how the fuck do you cope? Like, people just, you can't, people would just become numb to it and not even, like, they won't even want to think about it. You can't cope with 
the deaths of, you know, 150 million people. You can't process that, so you just become numb to it. Yeah. Well, I think we're going to and go ahead and wrap it up. We've been doing this for a little over an hour and a half now. It's been a hell of a podcast. It flew by. I didn't feel like that long. I know. They always do. Anytime we do an episode, I'm always like, damn, we're already pretty damn far. But good to have you. It was a fun podcast. Definitely we'll have to, to do, do it again. again sometime. Oh, yeah, for sure. Definitely not stopping outside the circle anytime soon. <laughs> we'll be doing this again. And this has been Outside the Circle with Mad Mac. And Professor Satan. And special guest. I stick. <laughs> I stick. <laughs> Later, motherfuckers. Hey all you somebody's out there, it's Mad Mac again. Just want to remind you to please like, follow, and subscribe here on Anchor. Or you can also listen to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Or you can follow us on Instagram at OutsideTheCircle23. And you can also follow us on Facebook and YouTube at Outside the Circle. Thanks everybody, have a good night.